0: So how do you achieve financial freedom, gain wealth, and live life on your terms? That is the question, and here is the answer. I'm A.J. Osborne. Welcome to Flow to Freedom. Welcome, everybody, to Cashflow to Freedom. It is the holidays, and we have a podcast today that is not 100% about finance. And I know you're going, hold on. This is exactly the only reason I'm listening to this, AJ. So why the heck are we not talking about money? Because that's the only thing I want to hear from you. Well, I know and I understand this, but we've had a lot of people that have been writing in, and I get lots of questions online about being paralyzed. So we wanted this holiday season, and starting out in this new year, it is going to be, by the time you hear this, it'll already be past the New Year's, but this is something that I have thought a lot about because it's a time of being grateful, and I have so much to be grateful for in my life. It's not even quantifiable to me, and uh, I um, would like to not only express the gratitude, but I'd also like to talk to you guys about what happened and uh, how it was being paralyzed, I am apologize if this is a little heavy, and so you don't have to listen to it. If you don't, if you're like, listen, I do not want to hear about you being hospitalized and um, in a wheelchair. So that's fine. I completely get that and understand that 100%. But for those of you that keep asking about it, want to know more about it, I'm going to share a little more in-depth than just the overview story that is always yeah, I was paralyzed. And how that all happened and went down. So a lot of people, I know you've heard me on other podcasts. I know that you you know that I became paralyzed and there was always, I always give this little five minute overview or 10 minute overview that I kind of a surface level, I guess you could say, type of example. I wanted to get a little deeper and be honest with you guys about that experience, um, about What happened to me and my family during it and give you some insight that maybe you haven't seen or you don't have the opportunity to see, particularly from those that are not as as fortunate as us, as not that have to deal with real, real struggles every single day. That to me, until this happened, it, it was more than unknown. It was not even fathomable that stuff like this could happen. So for some context, I am now 35. Um, I was, was I 32 when this happened, 30, just turned 33. And so it was over two and a half years ago. And I am a very outdoors person. I love hiking, skiing. Um, I'm a big backpacker. Um, and I enjoy the wilderness. Um, I, extremely active person. I I love being moving. I love, love, love running as fast as I can, starting up a just I love going at 100 miles an hour. And that was really what what I was doing when this happened. I had this amazing career, you guys. I was running a brokerage firm that was the largest in the state. I worked with executives um, all over, not just our state, but the United States. And I actually really loved what I did. I loved the people that I worked with. I had been doing it for basically my whole life. (laughs) uh, As far as I can remember back, my dad had been started in this industry, which was uh, selling insurance, benefits, brokerage firm um, to companies. And I, I loved it. I have, right before this happened, we just had our fourth child, who is now here soon, turning three. And life, you know, took a turn. This happened really quick and I don't want it to be, it's weird. It wasn't an accident though too. So it's not like something we expected. So when it, when it happened, it it was a very strange time. We were very, very confused. Doctors were confused on what was going on with me. I was sitting in and we sat in the ER for, it was like two days. It was just, and nobody could figure out what was going on and I was in so much pain, it's hard to describe. And that was before things got bad. And um, shortly after they figured out what was going on with me, my white blood cells were attacking my nervous system and shutting down my ability to communicate with my body. And uh, it eventually won. And they put me into a coma. And uh, when I fully came out of the coma, I woke up right before I went into the coma. They had to put me on breathing tubes and I had tubes coming out my mouth because I'd lost my ability to breathe. I remember sitting there and my wife was trying to get help and they had a little mask that I could put on if I was ever having trouble to breathe. So I put it on my face and then they came in and they were trying to talk to me and they were like, take off the mask. And I'm like, I can't. And they're like, what? I'm like, I, I, can't. I can't. I can't breathe. Yeah, I'd take it off, and I couldn't breathe without it. Um, and so that's when things went crazy. Uh, that's when nurses and doctors started running everywhere. I was in the ER, obviously, and everybody started. Um, seemed like they were losing their mind. And so all the walls came off my room, which was interesting. All of a sudden, walls just started disappearing out of my room, and I opened up, and they were bringing in machines and all sorts of stuff. And um, my wife came in and she said, we're going to get you taken care of now. We're going to stop this pain. Because one of the things I had to, I was going through this pain, but because they couldn't give me pain meds because that would affect my breathing. So it would make it so my breathing would become shallow, which was obviously dangerous because I was becoming weak um, and having problems breathing. So once I got breathing tubes put into my body, they could apply then, if. They were controlling my breathing so they could give me some pain meds. And they put me under. They had me count down. I remember looking at my wife and um, they had me count down. I opened up my eyes and there were tubes and everything coming out of my mouth. And this was this was a really hazy time. Then they started to really amp the drugs up. They didn't want me to remember, obviously, what was happening. It was not pretty. But I kept getting worse and worse, even after the tubes coming out of my mouth. And very shortly after that's when I went into the coma. Um, I was not in a coma long because they were like, "You won't ever come out. So they, they had to get me in a coma. They put me into the coma to cut into me to get my trach in. And so then they put the trach in my throat um, so the tubes weren't coming out of my mouth, which was basically the sign of we don't know when he's coming back. So they trached me, and then I opened up without the tubes in my mouth. I opened up my eyes. Um, and that's when things got scary. Because I was paralyzed. It was all scary, but it was it was another world kind of scary. Because I was paralyzed even in my eyes. So I couldn't see really past the end of my bed. I, I could hear, obviously. And I could not communicate. I couldn't talk. I couldn't do anything because my head was paralyzed. And I could move my head a little around. I didn't really have control over it. And I could blink. And... I woke up, as I always did, because of pain. I didn't sleep for like two months. It was just indescribable pain. And I was on fentanyl. I was on everything you could ever imagine, the most hardcore pain drugs they had, um, which led to some other interesting things because I was then having what is called ICU delirium. So ICU delirium. Once again, I apologize if this is too heavy, but I have so many questions about this, so I'm like, I'm just gonna tell you guys how how it is. I'm not fluffing this up. It's not a part of some story on a podcast that's leading me intro to talk to you guys about, you know, all the things that I love and everything else like that. This is just how it really went. So um, if this is too much, you're like AJ. I just like the excited AJ. Let's make money. I am not at. All offended if you stop listening. Uh, so, but this is for those that uh, really want to understand better how this happened. Um, so, it's um, obviously I couldn't move. I was on these drugs, um, and then I started to hallucinate a lot. I continually thought that I was trapped and I was being tortured because uh, my brain couldn't comprehend what was going on with me. I there was no light in my room, so ICU delirium plus the drugs made me hallucinate. I I knew everyone was around me. I I was there, but what my mind was doing to my surroundings was very, very strange. Um, And so my nurses, they would have to raise me up in the bed to stretch me out. And they'd strap me to the beds because I couldn't move. So I would fall over and everything. And I thought that my nurses were people there torturing me. So I couldn't ever really know if I was dying, dead, or about to be dead, I, I. It was always weird. Um, since we're being fully honest, um, there was a lot of times that I was very upset that I hadn't died yet because I'm like I am being tortured. What's going on? You know, why hasn't God just let me die? This is a sick, sick joke you are all putting me through. Um, and so I couldn't sleep. Um, I was basically screaming in my head the whole time. And then they'd give me when I got my first round. So they gave me. Drugs every four hours. When I'd get my first round of drugs, it would be the most relief that I would get in the first of the four hours. And lots of times, I could kind of fall asleep. Um, but then I would, without a doubt, it wouldn't take long. I'd be right back, woken up with pain, um, sharing just sharing through my body. So I, I, it was about two months that I never slept. I didn't speak for for uh, ten plus weeks. I couldn't communicate. So we we tried several things for communication. And this is questions we get a lot on the communicating side. We used everything from boards. But because I was confused and scared, the more complex it was, the harder it was for me to grasp a hold of it in that situation. So I um, mostly just blinked um, yes or no. One of the hardest things was I was perpetually dying of thirst. Because I had a trach, I couldn't drink water. Um, I was getting it through an IV, but my brain and my mouth didn't know that I wasn't completely thirsty. So my mouth was swollen, cracked, bleeding, dry, all that stuff because I couldn't drink water. Well, your tongue is not supposed to live without water. And so there was a little sponge that they had, and they would tap it in water, and they would just dab my tongue. Um, it couldn't ever run. It wasn't really running or liquid, but they would just dab it. So most of the time I was asking for a few things. I was begging for pain meds. I was begging for water, um, or something else. Um, we didn't bring my children in to see me cause I was hooked to all kinds of weird tubes and machines, everything And for a long time. I didn't want to scare them. And two, we didn't, we didn't know if I was going to make it or not. So, um, we didn't know what to tell them yet. And so we let them know that dad was sick. He's going to be in the hospital for a while. But until we had a clear understanding whether I was going to survive, we chose to uh, not preemptively tell them one way or another. Then finally it got to a point where they thought I'll survive the kind of life though that I'll live. We, no one had any clue. So it was at that point that we said, we need to tell our children or we like i had any (laughs) say in this my wife who is just an absolute angel who is taking amazing care of me decided to go bring the kids in um that was so hard for me to see my kids come in because they were terrified one of my little girls she didn't she was so scared she didn't ever want to come back and, um, that was tough, obviously, as a dad, you can imagine, um, that your children are scared to look at you. And, um, I, but we did have our youngest and, uh, he was my little buddy. We would put him on my pillow next to me and he just loved his daddy. He didn't understand one way or another because he, he could just lie around too. He was not right up walking. So we'd put him next to me and I'd play with him by moving my lips, and um, he'd put his hands on my lips. And that—that that was that's my one thing that I look forward to. Now, on the home front, my family lived here. Our businesses started to all but shut down because my partners um, are also my family. So I have my brother-in-law and my father. My father, who my mother basically moved into the hospital with me and my wife during the day to be with us to take care of everything to make sure I wasn't hallucinating meds, on and on and on. And then my brother, he moved from Hawaii to live with me at night. He stayed with me. Nights were scary, really scary, really bad. So I'm going through all of this, not knowing you know how my life's ever going to be. And I, I finally was able to talk. And um, because this is so heavy, you'll probably enjoy this part. <laughs> <laughs> my poor wife. You guys don't even understand how incredible she is. She's like the most incredible person in the world. And when I was finally able to, to talk, they changed my cuff. And the, the doctor looked at me and he said, okay, AJ. I didn't get a tr- I didn't get my trach taken out, but they said they were going to divert because I had strength in my lungs enough to divert just for a second air through my vo- vocal cords so I could talk. And they're like, AJ, you haven't spoken you know, in however long. You are gonna sound weird, and you're not gonna sound like yourself. So my wife's there; she's already getting teary-eyed, and he got my little baby, and so she's holding my baby. So she, they, 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 they turned the cuff so my um, the air could go up through my vocal cords, and I turned to my son, my little baby uh, boy, and I said, Theo. I'm uh, I am your father because I thought it would be funny, apparently, because (laughs) my voice would sound weird. And then I looked at my wife and said, just kidding. We don't know who the dad is. And then they shut my tube off. And so I couldn't speak anymore. I thought it was funny. I don't know how much my wife enjoyed that, but she thought I was going to profess my everlasting love. (laughs) She took care of it. But um, I was very concerned with them. And I didn't want my family to always live, you know, in fear. I didn't want them to worry about me. I didn't want to be that guy. I didn't want to be a burden on people. And that was very, very scary to my for me that my children and my wife would now spend the rest of their lives taking care of me in a bed. So this went on for months. Coming back was outrageously difficult. I every day I would have to I lost 70 pounds. all my muscles were gone from not moving. but I had a few things that were amazing when I finally learned how to get into a wheelchair. that was nothing short of absolutely incredible. It was a freedom that you can't even imagine. and we've uh, since joined and been a part of uh, uh, a nonprofit that delivers wheelchairs and you know i when i'm when you're paralyzed in a bed i couldn't bathe i couldn't go to the bathroom this was all done by other people i would lie there and they'd turn me on my side as they ran rags over me which bathing me hurt anytime they touched me it hurt me and i would just lie there and with my head on the pillow as everybody worked on me all the time um you know at first you'd think oh you know it's not that that was degrading because it wasn't i was just thought I was just going to be dead anyway, so it didn't matter. Um, But coming back was hard because I was both, I I had thought that I was going to die for so long that when I wasn't near my machines, it scared me that I wasn't going to survive. And then trying to become self-sufficient was an embarrassing, painful process as I learned how to use my hands, arms, and everything else again. But my nurses were incredible, my family were incredible, and it slowly came back. And I still, to this day, have to think every time I take a step, um, I still deal with pain. My nerves will never fully recover, but I hope to one day to be able to run again. People that are in my, in my situation, that are traked, that have Guillain-Barre, that are traked and paralyzed for over two months... Um, recovery is very very difficult your body is not meant to be in a bed and i want you guys to think first of all to understand that i was the same person then that i was when i was out and i know that sounds normal but i was riddled it's hard to explain because i was just riddled with me not accepting my situation in life um i I had a time where after I was out of the hospital, I was going around on my wheelchair um, that, you know, we were talking to somebody and they asked me and they said, you know, how is it, um, you know, to be disabled? Um, And I remember immediately looking up and I'm not disabled. And I was in my wheelchair and I was like, this is not a permanent thing. This is temporary. I'm not going to do it. Um, I left my rehab facility because they told me I'd never be out of leg braces. And I was like, that's just not how this is going to work. These Everything here is temporary. I will get better. Um, and I have been so blessed and fortunate that I was able to. I can't imagine living with that life every day and saying, this is not who I am. I'm not supposed to be in a wheelchair. This is only temporary. This isn't reality. So please, guys, be so grateful that you can breathe. Uh, I The first time I took a drink of water, I can't even explain to everybody what that was like. The water touching my lips, going across my tongue, running down my throat, taking that first gulp. I used to get so thirsty. One of the nurses came up with a good idea where we'd call them... Ebola, Ebola's where she'd take a huge injection. She'd go get this bucket of ice and water, get a big syringe of this freezing cold water. And she would then stick it into the tube into my stomach. And she would inject all this water into my stomach that's ice cold. And I would close my eyes and I would think about drinking water. And it gave me a sensation of drinking a lot of ice cold water. And I would just lie there. And just, I knew I didn't drink water, but I would just lie there and think about what it was like to drink water. And I'll never forget the first time I took, I ate. I'll never forget the first time I took steps, that I got out of the bed, that I breathed on my own for the first time. And how amazing those small, small things are. So going into next year. This decade was an interesting one for me, and it was amazing. It was the best decade of my life. Just like this next decade, decade will be the best decade of my life. I was paralyzed. I learned to walk again. I lost my job, but I started new companies. I, you know, it, it's. It, I had kids. It was just. It was life, guys. That's how life works. We don't have control over a lot of these things. So love the stuff that you have now. Love every day for what it's worth. And there is no reason not just to go for it all. I came out of the hospital and I'm like, not only am I never going to stop, there will never be a ceiling for me because at any moment I could be gone again. And so I might as well give it my all with my kids, my family. And every day I work harder than I've ever worked. I, I'm more active, I think, than I've ever been because I'm frantic. I'm frantic. I lost so much of my life and almost lost even more of that. And that's put an urgency on everything. And I mean, playing and kissing my kids. I'm that annoying dad. I just smother my kids in kisses all the time. I'm just like constantly all over. I'm just like, I love you. I love you. I love you. And I'm just dragging them around the house because I'm like, I never ever want to let you go. Um, so, guys. That's, um, you know, this is a huge, long story it could go on for hours, but I hope that kind of gives you a better idea of some of the things that um, we went through in the time of my life. Um, that who you surround yourself makes the difference. Why I've turned out so well, I believe, is a few reasons. Um, I actually, this is weird to say, but I had so much fun in the hospital. I played with my <laughs> nurses and doctors. They loved having me. I'd chase people around. I, you know, they just thought I was a blast. I was so grateful for them. I was so happy that I was being taken care of. They became family, and I love them. And I had the support that I needed to live, to try to live, and to get better. So keeping a positive attitude, no matter what, and keeping an outlook, it'll always be better, no matter where you're at now. And even if it gets to a point where you can't move and can't even go to the bathroom, well, you only have one way to go up. Or go, and that's up. So love it. Love the ride. Stick very close to those that are on your side. Be loyal. Um, love them. And you can't do anything alone. And it will, you'll never be able to. Come, trust me, coming from a guy whose wife had to do everything for him, and brother and mom and dad, and everybody had to clean me up and take care of me. I learned that lesson time and time and time again. Success doesn't happen on an island. It never will. And I mean that as success in a marriage, a success with your children, a success economically, spiritually. It just doesn't happen by yourself. Um, we were not meant to be alone. So please cherish those that you're with. Um, love them because you could lose it all at any minute and that's life and that's okay. So I hope this wasn't too heavy for you guys. But I felt that it would be important to give you guys an insight um, and maybe help you understand why AJ's always so excited about the dumbest things in the world. Well, that's why. That's why I'm so excited. Hey, I appreciate you guys. If this was helpful, please give me a five-star rating for the podcast. We work really hard. Um, Give us a great review. That gives us great feedback. Email us. I get so many calls and emails from you guys. We try to put the content out. That's why we made this podcast. Thanks for everything that you do. to freedom on instagram you have pictures videos of all the stuff we're doing businesses investments check it out and let us know what you guys think thanks for everything talk to you soon thanks everyone for listening to this episode of cashflow to freedom be sure to subscribe to us for more and feel free to check us out at cashflow with the number freedom.com or find us on instagram and facebook And also if you could leave us a good review, that would really help us continue to build out our content and our community. Thank you so much.